Good morning. Welcome back to our Anchored in the Word morning reflections for the week. And today is Thursday, and I hope that you're having uh, a good closing out of the week. Hope that yeah, you um, uh, just see the Lord working in your life, especially through these passages of Scripture. And that these passages give you some clarity and your perspective, and they really point you back to the Lord and help you to just kind of work through the day the way that, that we need to. And so I'm going to read the second half of this passage, verses 8 through 12 today, and uh, that will be our focus. And um, this is a really interesting uh, piece that I think needs to be drawn out as we look at the psalm. Actually, I'm going to pick up in verse 7 uh, just to kind of set the context for verses 8 to 12. He says, How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God! Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. That's what we talked about yesterday. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house. Thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. For with thee is the fountain of life. In thy light shall we see light. O continue thy loving kindness unto them that know thee and thy righteousness to the upright in heart. Let not the foot of pride come against me and let not the hand of the wicked remove me. There are the workers of iniquity fallen. They are cast down and shall not be able to arise. Now, one of the things that I think is important for us to recognize is that God didn't just design for the Christian to survive living in a fallen world, but he actually has provided for us to be able to thrive in a fallen world. Now, this world is not our home, and it is true that we are strangers and we are pilgrims, and it is true that we anticipate troubles in life. But what is also true is that God wants us and he has provided for us to be able to actually function in a healthy and vibrant way, even though it is a fallen world. This is one of the things that really provides evidence of the power of the gospel in the world. This is part of being salt. It's part of us functioning as light in the world. And I want you to notice how he describes the people who have chosen to trust under the shadow of his wings. In verse 80 says that they shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house. In verse 80 says that you will make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. Verse 9, he says, with thee is the shadow, or with thee is the fountain of light, of life. Verse 9, in thy light shall we see light. Now, these are not descriptions of a person who is just falling apart and their life is a tragic ruin in the midst of a fallen world. This is a description of someone who, despite the trouble, is actually thriving. He uses words like abundantly satisfied. He talks about enjoying the fatness of his house. He talks about people drinking from the rivers of his pleasure. He talks about it being a fountain of life. And what he is describing is what is possible for you and possible for me. And he's not talking about this material prosperity where God promises that if you come under the shadow of his wings, that you'll become um, a multimillionaire. You'll live in this beautiful home and you'll drive a nice car and everything in your life's going to go perfect. That's not what he's saying. He's actually talking about something that is internal. He's talking about what allows a person to have vitality despite trouble. 
it's almost like what Paul is describing when he says, though our outward man perisheth, yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. So even though Paul is saying, I am physically declining, I'm experiencing hardship in this world, I'm growing internally. I have a settled heart. I have peace with God and there's peace in my soul. That's what that's what uh, Paul is describing when he writes those things. And so this is a possibility. It, it reminds me of something that I experienced when we were on deputation as missionaries. We drove out um, to the West. And of course, as you're driving uh, through places like Utah and Nevada and certain portions of California and Arizona, it's desert. It's it's barren. It's just rocks. It's dry. It's dusty. Uh, some people enjoy living like that, but the truth is I thought it was kind of neat to see it, but I wouldn't really wanted to live in a place like that. And um, one of the things that really was amazing to me, though, and I noticed this in Southern California, was we would be driving through this area that was just desert and there was nothing green anywhere. And then all of a sudden you would come into this area where there were massive fields of corn. There would be these fruit trees everywhere and they would be thriving and it would be green and it would be lush. And I would say, how in the world is this possible that you could have this vibrant growth in a desert? I remember talking to some of the people there and they said, well, the way that it works is you have these channels that flow off of the Colorado River. And these massive uh, channels would be flowing through these cornfields. And at certain times of the day, they would allow the water to be let into the field and it would flow across the field slowly. It would sink into the soil and it would nourish the soil. And these these areas would actually be vibrant and they would be very they would be very productive in agriculture. In fact, some of the the nicest uh, products that we get from agriculture come from regions just like this. Well, the idea is that because there's water, stuff can grow in the desert, a place that that could not have that kind of life without the water, things can thrive. That's the picture that I want you to think here. In, in Psalm 1, he says that the person who is that is in the word of God and meditating it day and night is like a person or is like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf will not wither, whatsoever it doeth shall prosper. Or in Psalm 1611, he says that thou wilt show me the path of life and in thy presence is fullness of joy and at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. The point that the Bible is teaching here is that we can richly enjoy life, even in a fallen world. We can live a vibrant life. We can live a productive life. We can actually live lives that are meaningful and impactful and have a rich, eternal significance. We can grow in communion with God despite all those things. Circumstances do not determine what is going on in your soul. Circumstances affect it, but they don't determine it. You have a will. You can make choices. You can turn your mind to think on what is true and right about God. You can rest in his care. And so that is the sense of the passage. But there's also another consideration. In verse 11, he says, let not the foot of pride come against me and let not the hand of the wicked remove me. You say, well, why does he do that? Well, it's to, it's to let you know that even though a person is living a vibrant life, they still experience trouble. 
there is a tension that we see established in the text. It's possible to thrive and still face hardship. And this is the nature of the Christian experience. And our ability to endure and to thrive always goes back to who we are in Christ. It always goes back to the gospel. And so what I'd like to do is, Lord willing, tomorrow close out our week by taking all of the things that we've talked about this week and putting them together in a way that I hope will be very practical and give us something to reflect on into the weekend. Have a blessed rest of your day, and Lord willing, tomorrow we'll meet again. Bye now.